2: Hello and welcome to the Short Ball Podcast on Rugby Pass. Uh, With me today, as always, is Mills Muliana. G'day Mills. G'day mate. (laughs) G'day mate. Mate. Um, And I'm filling in for Scotty Stevenson. Uh, uh, He's over in South Korea. We're going to have a chat to him a bit later on. But first off, uh, the important stuff is TV ads. Um, I've just seen Richie McCaw on a new ad in a helicopter uh, carrying a giant carton of milk, oh. which is quite interesting because I think it might be the best Richie McCaw ad so far. Oh, really? Yeah, so just to recap, he did his Beats by Dre where he's running up a hill. Yep. Um, that was okay. Westpac, he's running through the bush. Yep. But all that running stuff just makes me feel bad about my own levels of fitness and stuff. And then it was the versatile homes, you know. Oh, yes. Says, yeah,
3: yeah. And a cup
2: at- of tea. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And he says, "Was it this? Look at this awesome stone chimney. That was my idea." Yeah, yeah. And then we've had uh, Steve Hansen, never lose your biscuit. Yes, Ben Smith. They gave him porridge because he's from the Highlanders. I think. Hey, you're from Dunedin. Have some porridge. Yeah. And then uh, Kieran Reid with the Colgate and the Swiss pills. But do you have a favourite? Rugby ad, even the one that have you started any as well? Just tell us, take us through your endorsement
3: uh, past. I, 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 it's hard to remember back in those sort of days, isn't it? weekbix was always a good one. Yeah. Sanitarium weekbooks, Sanitarium up and go. Actually, I was involved in an up and go one, one year. What we all you did was sort of just suck out of a straw. Yeah. Oh, good, that's... good up and go though, eh? Yes. Yeah. Powerade.
2: Sucking out of a straw, you know what your motivation is, though, as well, don't you? You know, you're sucking, okay? Yeah, that's your motivation is you want some sustenance, yes, and this
3: is how you're going to get it, yeah, okay. Now, now, suck, yeah. Well, that, yeah, you know, now that I think about it, that was probably one of the best ads I, I was involved with because the day before, yeah, I was had lost a tooth, all oh, right. So, you had a hole for the straw, the front one, the front one, right there, yeah, and so. I didn't want to smile and I didn't want to part where I was going to speak because obviously, you know, imagine having no tooth. Yeah. So that was perfect for me. Just. So it was a great ad in your history of
2: ads. Yeah. Um, did you ever get a special ad? Like um, did you get a deal with toothpaste or biscuits or anything? Or mm. at your own home? No. No. Wasn't 100 tests. I wasn't lucky enough. That's. That's ridiculous
3: Yeah Times have changed now I think hey Everyone's out for An ad when Yeah you, I could have gone oh, Vitamins Do you see that in vitamins eh Yeah I'm Not a big vitamin fan actually Oh he's on the vitamin bandwagon too Isn't he Yeah yeah Carter mm. Jockey Did you did you ever get jockey oh, There was no way I'd, I'd be getting down to my jocks mate Why not Because I'm not that sort of person <laughs> shy yeah <laughs> all
2: right all right well um okay so anyway uh, moving on to uh, super rugby uh it's just started and um we'll just quickly recap that in south africa the stormers beat the Hagwares 28 uh, 20 in cape town and the lions beat the sharks 26 19 in johannesburg so similar um score lines did you see anything that you liked or that you noticed
3: I and to be totally honest, I didn't watch the um, the game, so I watched a few of the highlights. But I certainly seen a lot of offloading from the Lions, uh, and something that I haven't seen. Well, that they, they sort of started implementing that last year. But when I'm talking offloads, the Sunny Bill styles, you know, they're all sort of looking for the offload uh, and keeping the ball alive. So they've certainly got a different sort of mindset and, and a skill set as well. They've obviously been working um, on these skills over the over the summer. So, but. Um, you know, surprises, you know, that was really, I mean, this, the Sharks-Lions game was probably the big one, and um, so, yeah, good start for both teams, and, and especially the Lions, because, you know, they're obviously super rugby finalists last year, um, and so to, to get on the board nice and early, always great.
2: Yeah, there was one thing I noticed, I guess, was the pace of the games, I mean, I know it's hard grounds, it's February, but um, both of those teams... Uh, the winners anyway, yeah. seem to be moving the ball quickly. I know the All Blacks, you know, sort of set that tone a couple of years ago. Is that the way that South African rugby looks like, is going
3: fast? Well, I think in last year, the Bulls struggled with this. They, they, they struggled to find their identity, you know, whether they're going to stick to their uh, natural sort of, you know, big kicks, make sure they're on the button and, and guys sort of um, coming through and putting pressure on and winning it back. And then they sort of reverted to playing a sort of expansive game and they just, just didn't quite get the mix right and so um, but from what we're seeing and especially in these I mean they are sort of attacking teams um, over the last year the Stormers have been known to to attack a lot uh, and, and and run some you know um, well you know run in tries from all over the place and, and now you're seeing the Lions thought and so I suppose it's something they're going to you know nice and early. Um, they've identified that this is what they, this is the pace they need to play it. Yes, uh, it's a little bit dry and drier and, and things like that. But I think what, they, what they've sort of come out and said, well, is you know, you defend well, but in order to win, you got to score points. And that's what people want to see, don't you? You want to see attacking rugby. Uh, it's something that the, the super rugby franchises have done over the years and, and, and been successful for them. Um, we
2: will talk to um, Scotty about the uh, the matchups this weekend, but in particular, I guess the Blues, they've named their team uh, for Friday night yeah. um, against the Highlanders in Dunedin, and there's Bryn Gatlin in there at first five, uh, some new faces in the forward pack, Glenn Preston and Murphy Taramai. Um, you seem to think that it was the Blues'
3: year. Mm. Why is that? Why is why do you think it's the Blues' year? I, I like their shape. I, I like what they've got, and, and not only that, I think you're seeing Preston um, and co that, are, that have come in but you've got to look at the bench you know, to be able to put someone like Patrick Tupalutu uh, on the bench I know it's the, the, the first round you've got um, I think Peter Feta's out for, uh, is out as an injury um, uh, Nanai is on, on the bench as well you've got Michael Collins so they've got sort of cover all round but they're not just cover just the first year You know, they've been there for a couple of years um, and, and so they've got good depth uh, and, and I think you know, last year they're a little bit unlucky with the way the format was, but I think certainly this year and the confidence they, got, they would have gained from uh, the tens w- would be massive. I know they lost the last preseason game to uh, the Hurricanes, but you talk about the likes of you know Bryn Bryn getting the, the, the start, um, Preston, um, you know they're all you know a lot of them are North Harbour combinations, so you know they'll get out there and, and they'll be used to we, um, you know the way each, uh, they, they play, and so directing that. Uh, will be fantastic. So I'm looking forward to this game because it's a huge game for the Blues. Uh, I, I definitely, you know, but also in saying that, the Highlanders with the new coaching set up, you know, how are they are going to play? Last year, the Highlanders kicked a lot. Uh, ben Smith's coming back, you know, pretty early. And, uh, you know, he's got a knack of scoring lots of tries against uh, the Blues. So I'm looking forward to Friday night.
2: Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a massive game. I reckon um, uh, the game of the round looks to be the Crusaders versus Chiefs. Mm. Uh, Obviously, I'm Chiefs all day, Mills. You know that. <laughs> and I don't care about all the changes. I know we've lost a lot of players, but you cannot deny that there's world-class people in there and uh, they've named Charlie Natai as a co-captain, which suggests that he's going to start no matter what, yep. um, where they find a spot for him. So this is exciting for me, I reckon, that we've, um, we've actually, you know, with Damien in at 10 as well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, two really good halfbacks, little halfbacks, but they're nippy. What do you think of the Chiefs' chances?
3: Well, the interesting part will be, you know, how they adapt to Colin Cooper's style. You know, obviously, him and Dave Verini are, are a lot different. But uh, having lost a lot of players, um, you know, the, you know, experienced players too. You know, how are they going to adapt to the style that Colin Cooper wants to play? Now they've got a new ten. Um, yeah. Damien has been fantastic at the back, and I've always sort of thought, you know, he, you know, that's his, you know, preferred position. Well, that's a preferred position. I'd like to like to see him play, but. You know, it's whether whether he can direct guys around and things like that, and especially against the Crusaders, who we know are tough on defence, and you know they punish you on on, on turnover ball. And so, uh, I'm not too sure yet uh, about the Chiefs um, given those factors, new coach, uh, new playmaker. But one thing that does stand out is they've got a solid forward pack, and when you've got a solid forward pack, um, you know you're going to get you're going to get pill. and so uh, and you've got some, you know, you oh. know, retellic, you know, <laughs> you the get, best, oh, Bird, you know, the tallest. Oh, well, there you go, and, and so um, you know they've got plenty of firepower up front. You know, it's it's how they how they sort of go about their back line is, is is my question.
2: That's right, and of course, Sam came there. Um, Okay, they do say that the first five needs to talk, but do they need to be bossy? Was how? What was Dan Carter like?
3: Oh, I oh know. Well, DC's was only bossy when he sort of it's it, it's being affirmative sometimes, being able yeah. to be nice and clear and, and communicate. And, and sometimes when you've got a, a playmaker that sort of um, can create, you know, um, something for nothing, a la. Carlos Spencer yeah. you know you often are not on the same sort of page as them. you know they, they might see an opportunity and you've sort of missed it you know these guys are so talented that they've, they've, they've gone and you've sort of a couple of seconds behind and that couple of seconds is massive and so no you don't need to be loud as a, as a 10 you just need to be clear in, in, in what you're doing with your forwards and connecting with your halves um, as well as your number 8 and so um, that's going to be a key factor for me uh, and you know keeping healthy because, um, you know, obviously you've got Damien there, but the backup, um, I think uh, you've got his brother uh, and Marty McKenzie. And so it's it's keeping a playmaker like that, you know, nice, uh, you know, healthy and making sure, you know, because what happens if he falls over and then, you know, Marty falls over? I don't think they've got too much cover. Although there is that, the, um, actually I've lost his name now, the, it'll come to me later, yeah.
2: Um, just before we go to Scotty, I wanted to talk about um, national anthems. Right, this... This is Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas singing the Star Spangled Banner at the NBA All-Star Game. Enjoy. That's enough. Wow. So she was the ambassador for that. It, it was too out there. Charles Barkley said afterwards that he felt like he needed a cigarette after that. <laughs> it was all a bit too uh, too much, trying to be too sexy. And uh, there have been some really good impressions of her. But National Anthem, how do you feel it should be delivered? Um,
3: you would have heard quite a few in your time. Yeah.
2: Are you a singer when you're standing there before a test match?
3: Oh, I, 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 I lip-sync. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I used to stand beside some oh, DC. You mentioned him before. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he he was a massive singer. Really, way out of tune, way <laughs> way way out of tune. Terrible. But he loved it. He yeah. loved it. And I remember, I remember one year there weren't a lot of singers. Guys were just sort of stood there. And Ted actually came came in and went to one of the meetings. And he obviously he had an email from a disgruntled fan wanting us to be able to sing. And so yeah. Out came the Singers and DC. Really? Bad, mate. Real bad. (laughs) So at least he tried,
2: okay? Um, This is how it should be done. This is how it should be done. This is Whitney Houston, 1991 Super Bowl.
3: Oh. That is how it's done. That is how it's done, mate. How inspirational is that? I know. Goosebumps in the room, everywhere. That is incredible. Whitney,
2: bring it at home. It's a great tune, and she just absolutely nailed it. Now, you gotta take inspiration from Whitney. And I know you probably can't be Whitney, but at least
3: try and do Whitney Light. Yeah. Oh man? You know? She yeah, she ripped that up. Yeah. It was interesting, eh? Like uh, when uh, Fergie was going for it, and then they were panning towards the uh, players, and you know they had a couple of them were grinning, and I, I wanted one of them to just laugh their head off, but they they, they keep composed. I mean, uh, Green, I think it was Draymond Green, he had a laugh, he
2: yeah. had a chuckle. He yeah. was like he was yeah. caught on camera, and he just went <laughs> <felt> like this. <laughs> he couldn't stop it any longer, and it was it was good because he was he represented what everyone's exactly. thinking exactly. at home right. watching that.
4: Yeah, yeah.
2: But um, anyway, uh, enough about anthems. We're going to go to South Korea and have a chat to the original host of this podcast. I know you're missing him, Mills, and I'm not quite (laughs) the same. But we're going to get Scotty Stevenson on the line, okay? Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) G'day, Scotty. How's things over there, mate?
4: Morning, James. Morning, Millsy. I've got a face full of kimchi, so uh, (laughs) I'll just get that down.
2: That is such a cliche, but I like that. What else have you been eating over there?
4: Lots of Korean barbecue. Um, gee, I love beef. Um, very marbled beef here. As um, you well know, James. Yes. And um, yeah, crocking at your table. It's the way of the future.
2: Yeah, that's actually it. Does sound progressive. Um, is there any talk about the um, the North Korean uh, cheer squad there, who looked brainwashed in the stands?
4: Uh, you'd be referring, of course, to the army of beauties. Yes. Um, yeah, there's uh, there's, a, there's an obsession here with. Uh, with North Korean, as you can imagine, when you've kind of got a crazy guy with his finger on the button on your border, and uh, he and his family have been running the show for about 60 years, so um, yeah, Uh, anything North Korean has met with equal parts uh, fascination and anxiety in South Korea, but the army of beauties, uh, that is neck level.
2: (laughs) And um, actually, speaking of neck level, there's three Kiwis in the final of the halfpipe free-skiing uh, today. Yep. That, that's pretty cool. I mean, there's there's good chances this podcast might go out a bit after that, but um, when is the final and <laughs> what do you reckon?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, it all depends on what day you're pretending you're recording this podcast. Of yes. um, we're, kind of t- we're kind of time-locking this, but uh, that final is set to go tomorrow, my time, which could be yesterday, your time.
2: Okay. That's fine. That's good. No, there's time we can get that out. So, um, of the three, I mean, Nico Portia is 16 years old. <clears throat>
4: Yeah, what a freak, right? And uh, Seriously, I mean, James, you've done a lot of interviews at Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games, and you know, this kid, his brothers missed out, so three of the four Kiwis made it through to the final. That's a quarter of the final field, by the way. Um, but one missed out, and that was Nico's brother Miguel, his older brother. And I'm interviewing this kid who's just made the Olympic final, and he's just absolutely crushed because his big brother didn't. It was one of the weirdest, um, toughest interviews I think I've ever done. It's, it, was, it was so strange. It was such a strange feeling.
2: Yeah, that is a shame, isn't it, um, for the young fella? He's such a um, bright spark, Nico. I've had a bit to do with him with the Red Bull guys, and um, already signed up as a Red Bull athlete. And he's just tried. such a such an uh, interesting character. Really good value at sixteen years old. It's just un- unbelievable. We've we've got a few young ones over there as well, haven't we?
4: Yeah, um, Nico was originally the youngest ever Olympian out of New Zealand until Alice Robinson was selected and. Skiing, she was eight days younger, so uh, Nico is the second youngest, uh, but now certainly it's the youngest to make a final at the Olympic Games, so uh, that's pretty cool. for me. So, looking forward to that. It's um, yeah, it's terrifying watching those guys, you know, especially the free skiers and the slopestyle style on the half pipe. Uh, you know, I saw some people get absolutely melted yesterday in that pipe. Um, and uh, one, one of the local boys who was in his practice runs, um, I have never seen it quite like it. He Compressed himself on the lip of the pipe, head-butted the lip of the pipe, and then was basically unconscious and just sort of slid over the edge like some sort of scene from an action movie and slid into the middle of the pipe. I then got up and shook it off and uh, still managed to compete. Uh, but I thought he was dead. Yeah, that- what the hell is going on here?
2: I know, the danger is, is uh, incredible when you consider all the other sports that are played and you know that those guys, even just the view when they show the camera, what they have to look down at um, yeah, right. down the hill, <laughs> that's enough that's to make you shit your pants without the norovirus or anything. <laughs>
4: yeah, that's right. You don't need noro to be crapping your dacks yeah. watching some of these events. Some, you know me, James, I'm scared of heights, so um, I'm the perfect journalist for the Winter Olympic Games. <laughs>
2: You are the perfect one. Um, Mills has got a question for you. I think he's um, scrolling through stuff. Are you Mills?
3: No, well, I'm just. I'm just, gonna, I'm just interested. In what you think our chances are there of the brothers uh, sumo? Um,
4: I've got to be oh, honest. Yeah, in the, in the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that's fine. Uh, yeah, look, the, the, um, Bo James was sixth at the last Olympics, so he's got form. Uh, Byron being the eldest, and uh, I, I think Byron. If the event was given just on, on style uh, or in, in free-ski parlance, on steez, um, then I think Byron would get that. Um, you've got to understand the way that the sport works. The thing about Byron Wells' second run in the qualifiers where he put in about 20 tricks cause, just because he was mucking about, really, um, and the judges gave him 42. Uh, now, that's a 420 in free-skiing parlance, and I think we all know what that means. So I think the judges like Byron, like his style, And considering he was injured in Sochi before he got a chance to get to the start line, uh, I I think he's got a point to prove. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Byron uh, finish in the medals, and nor would I be surprised to see Bo James there. Um, I think the two Americans, Ferreira uh, especially, there's four Americans in the final, but two at the top, the two top qualifiers, uh, you know, if they can put down their runs, then, you know, they're good to go. But uh, the Kiwis, I think, have got some stuff up their sleeves. So... I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if we meddle in that event and then the speed skaters as well. Um, you know, I've got a chance in the, in the in the relay. So, you know, it's, it's all good. And team pursuit, say. So, so it's all go.
2: That's right. And Stee's, of course, means style with ease. Uh, I've learnt that in the past week. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's right. That's right. R- Rugby Union. Uh, the Blues have named their team for the Friday night's game against the Highlanders, and there's some new faces in there. Uh, Glenn yeah. Preston at six. Murphy Taramai at seven. Uh, you would have commentated those guys, I guess, playing for Harbour, um, because yeah. we don't know much about them.
4: Well, uh, you know, Mills and I, uh, of course, uh, and, and you too, uh, James, know Stevie Bates pretty well, works with us on, the, on our TV show, our team talk, and uh, uh, Bates is absolutely fizzing over Glenn Preston, uh, just a, a solid campaigner, a genuine traditional number six, uh, but he's got some wheels on him, Glenn Preston, good tackle rate, doesn't often miss them. Um, Taramai's got a bit of explosiveness about him as well. And I think having your six and seven from your from your provincial side, as Bryn Gatlin does in this game, is going to give him a lot of confidence that they can cover for him. Uh, Taramai's going to have to get out there and, and support him at 10, as most sevens do. And, uh, you know, knowing each other's game, as those boys all do, six, seven, 10, I think that's a good look for the Blues and I am looking forward to seeing Preston get out and get amongst it.
2: And also that well, you mentioned Bryn there, and the most excited man in rugby right now will be Warren Gatland. He will be <laughs> he will he would like to I, I don't even know if he'll turn up for the Six Nations. Um because no,
4: no, why he'll be watching this. He'll just <laughs> have the whole team, you know, Welsh team watching, well, Eddie Jones has got his English team in heated pants. You don't need heated pants if you're watching super rugby. I mean that stuff is gonna get you friction anyway. Can you So um <laughs> <laughs>
2: you can buy heated pants. This is
4: Eddie Jones. Have you not read this story about no. Eddie Jones? He's, he's trying to push the band. He's getting his England team to wear heated shorts against Scotland. Heated pants.
2: Wow. So I
4: Depp, this guy won't plumb when it comes to his own agenda. I mean, he is just—you know—it's almost like Eddie thinks he is in the middle of the solar system. He can do anything he wants with the game, but everyone else who does anything is uh, is grounds for instant uh, derision. Oh, I, I, you know, what the hell, Heated Pants? Beat it.
3: Heated. So, Heated Pants, he's, he texts his players, and now he's the referee's best friends,
4: right? Yeah, he's a text pest, um, and now he wants his uh, players in Heated Pants. I think we're seeing a pattern forming here.
2: It's a 3 a.m. text as well. It's not just your normal. Yeah. It's like booty call hours no. that he's exactly. texting these guys. Um,
4: exactly. <laughs>
2: exclusively booty call hours. And also um, with heated pants, I mean, I've never really felt the need for heated pants. But Mills, you've played um, 100 tests. Um, would they have helped you? Well, because I'm quite hot in the pant region, but yourself?
3: Well, I, I just don't understand how they would work. I mean, how do you, what, you just flick a button and what? Yeah, there'd be a switch somewhere. Oh, I wouldn't need them, mate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need them.
2: Eh? Hey? <laughs> You've got good hot quads. <laughs> actually, a, they're
4: not I that big, though.
2: So <laughs> and your hip flexes. Mills is taking his pants off right now. Sorry, Scotty. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, it's fine. Uh, any, I, mean, any?
4: I was actually imagining Millsy with no pants on. Right. That, yeah. so it's, it's
2: perfect. What about uh, the rest of the weekend? Uh, I think the big game is Crusaders versus Chiefs. Um, can you give us... It's always the big game. Yeah.
4: It's always the big... It's become the best rivalry in Super Rugby Crusaders Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs, after they finally got over their drought, Jimmy, in 2012, um, and Rennie had instilled in them the fact that they were the killers, not the victims. um, I think, you know, they've gone out to play and they target teams like the Crusaders because they're so physical. Like, there is no team in Super Rugby that likes playing the Chiefs because uh, they are a rugged, violent, elegantly violent rugby team. And... um, you know, I think this is going to be a, a real settler for both. It's a massive occasion for Colin Cooper. Uh, He's got to set the tone, and it's the Chiefs side that goes out there, uh, having lost some of its all-time greats. Uh, you know, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to have it this year, but what I do know is that the Crusaders will know where they want to be. They'll set a marker, and um, you know, I hope the Chiefs are there. I don't think too much will have changed, but Colin Cooper is a very different coach to Dave Rennie. They've got a different staff, and they've got a different playing roster. And big pressure on the shoulders of Damian McKenzie. Yes, yeah. This is the jersey he wants. Uh, this is what the all want him to be. Uh, and he's going out there against the defending champions. Can he guide that team around the park? That is going to be the biggest question.
2: And uh, just one point about the Crusaders is that it's a kind of depressing that Kieran Reid's uh, advertising deals are with Colgate and those Swiss Pills because the boys don't really want that, that kind of freebie, do they? Uh, Mills, I mean, you would be able to answer that. It's a terrible what, there's, freebie. There's, there's,
3: there's a lot of rugby boys that do need Colgate. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, they might not want it, but, uh, you know, there's, there's an actual need for Colgate in rugby,
2: especially amongst those forwards. Are you going to call someone, someone out here? No. Okay. Um, but anyway, hey, Sumo, we'll let you get back to your Kim It's great to have a chat to you Thank and you. Um, uh, look forward to seeing you again. When are you back? Are you back hosting this next week?
4: Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, if, if they take me back, apparently um, apparently you've sort of stamped your authority on it sort of some territorial pissing, and uh, I you know, you've now it. sprayed the podcast with McHoney scent. So um, I'll, I'll have to come and scrub that off before I get back into it. But um, I don't know. It might, might just be best if you stick around, and maybe I drop in every once in a while.
2: Yeah, bring your ginola, uh, and we'll see you <laughs> next week. See you, buddies. Okay, see take care. Mate.